This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. I hope that, that as we go through this study that it's something that is meaningful to you, that, that will help you, uh, because the goal of this lesson is to help give you a process that you can use in your daily life to actually have real lasting change, because that's a struggle that we face. You know, the Bible calls us to be transformed into Christ and, and be transformed by His Word and to live life anew. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What we find here is, is instruction for us to change. There is a process that, of transformation that takes place. We leave the world behind and we take on a new life. Now, I think that everyone is sincere in their love for God. And I think that we have a true willingness to follow Him. But I think the problem that every Christian faces is the same problem. And that is understanding how to transform your lives. Because it's easy for us to read these words and to know that we should change, but I think we struggle with how to actually go about changing. And so we might go on for years thinking and feeling that we're trapped by our sins and we're frustrated. We might get to a place that we feel hopeless and we feel like nothing is going to, to actually change. We're experiencing no real change in our lives. And, and, and we look up and years have passed and we're no closer to God than when we began our life in Christ. I know I've felt that way for, for a while in, at different stages of, of growth as you're in Christ and your life is changing. It feels frustrating to look up and you don't think that you've grown very much or changed very much. And you're still struggling with the same old habits, the same old sins. It's heartbreaking. You know, and we might experience just enough growth to trick ourselves into thinking that, well, man, I'm really growing, I'm really changing. Because you, you feel positive about some things that are happening in your life as you're studying more and learning more, but maybe time passes and you find yourself years later in the same place, doing the same things, struggling with the same feelings. It's demoralizing. And we need to know how to experience real and lasting change. So that's the question we're going to ask as we study the scriptures. How can we experience real and lasting change in our lives that helps us to overcome sin and to continue growing in Christ? And, and to be, as we read in the, in the scripture reading, that tree that produces fruit an hundredfold, one that is producing uh, fruit in the name of God, and one that is growing and very productive in the kingdom. That's the kind of person that we want to be, and we need to look to the, the scriptures to give us guidance in that, and that's what we'll do. You know, in Psalms, when we think about this, as I was looking for, for answers, trying to figure out what is a, a process that we find in the scriptures, uh, I'm a process and, and workflow kind of guy and thinking about things and breaking things up into, into a process really helps me. And, and so I started to look into the scriptures to find out what is it that we should do? How can we go about doing this? Uh, because I needed that at the time and, and I knew it was valuable for others. And so I began to look at this and in Psalms, I came across a passage. Now in Psalms, we find a lot of King David's uh, Psalms. They're very raw, they're very heartfelt songs and prayers to God in, in times of trouble, in times of sin. And, and even in times of joy, he had very beautiful psalms that we find there. Now, in a psalm that's often ascribed to David, Psalm chapter 119, 
there's a passage there in that psalm that is very beneficial for us to use as a lens to look at Romans chapter 12 through. And, and it actually helps to break it up into a, a process, and it, and it gives us a specific set of things we can do in this journey of transformation. Psalm chapter 119, verses 29 through 34 says, Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Very heartfelt prayer from this man. It, it will, will, for the sake of this study, we'll assume that this was David. Uh, but the authorship doesn't matter. The point is, is that the, the person who wrote this psalm was deeply struggling with sin and wanting to find the way of God and, and cleansing his way of evil. And we find a process here. He says, I have chosen the way of God. I've chosen thy truth. Remove from me the way of lying. I've chosen the way of truth. He sought knowledge. He says, teach me thy ways. Help me to learn. Help me to grow. Help me to understand. And he took action upon that knowledge. He says, give me thy law. Teach me thy statutes, and I shall keep thy law. And then he goes on and he says that he will commit himself to this path that he has chosen. I will observe it with my whole heart. Now, this is a process that we can use and these four parts, if we put these four parts into, into action in our lives, the scriptures give us a promise that you will grow, you will produce fruit, and you will overcome sin if you use this. And, and this actually lines up very well with Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And as we go through these, I'll, I'll explain how. But you choose the way of righteousness, seek knowledge, take action, and stay committed to this process, and you will have transformation in your life. Real, lasting change. I'm not talking about just you're going to feel good for a little while, and you're going to, you're going to fall to sin again, and then, and then you're going to figure out what to do, and you're going to repent, and then you're going to feel good. I'm saying if you do this consistently and have consistent, committed action in your life, you are going to change who you are. And it's not you changing who you are. It's the Word of God changing who you are, creating you and, and transforming you more and more into the image of Christ as God would have us to be. And so these four things are essential if you want to actually change your life and quit struggling with sin. These four things are essential. The first one is choice. And as we think about it, it seems obvious, but I think sometimes we get bogged down with what the world is saying, with our own emotions, with our own feelings. Uh, there's a voice in our head that tells us that we can't do it, that we shouldn't do it, that we... All of these doubts that we, that we have. But our choices dictate the actions that we take on a daily basis. You made a choice to get up this morning. You made a choice on what to wear. You made a choice on... And some of these things are automated. Just a daily thing because we've made the choice so many times that it just becomes a habit in our lives. And you don't even have to think about it. And really sin isn't, isn't very different. You just kind of make a choice and you make the choice and you keep doing that and you keep doing that. And over time, your action becomes a habit Right? And your habits will de determine what your character is. If you don't know what kind of character you have, work your way backwards. What are my habits? What are the choices I'm making? That, that will determine the kind of character you have. Now, the very first step in the beginning transformation, again, is making a choice. That's what the Psalter said. He says, I have chosen the, the way of truth. Remove from me the way of lying. 
again, it's frustrating and discouraging to feel stuck in a cycle because that's what happens. We get stuck in a cycle. We try to change and we fail. We try and we fail. And the more we try and the more we fail, the more we feel like just giving up. Like it's, it's just not going to change. I'm never going to overcome this. I'm never going to move past this. I'm never going to be able to grow beyond this problem. And that actually is the place that Satan wants us to be in, that mindset, that you cannot overcome this. You see, Satan traps us in that sin, and we eventually learn to stop struggling, and we just give up and give in. And we think it's hopeless for me to even try to escape this. And we might try to find ways to cope with, with the sin that we're committing and the sin that we're living in. And we might try to, to uh, talk ourselves into being okay with it and coping with it and maybe believing the false ideas that the world is, is, is out there perpetuating. The first false idea that we might feed ourselves is, I just can't overcome this sin. Next, we start to think, this is just who I am. And then we shift the blame and say, this is the way God made me. All of these options, if you really take time to analyze them and think about it, all of these options is the equivalent of saying, there is no other choice. There is no other alternative but to commit sin. And that is absolutely false. Satan wants you to think that there's no other choice than to, to commit sin, but thankfully, the truth is that you always have a choice. There is an alternative, and the Bible tells us about this. Think about it. Romans chapter 12, he says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. Follow Christ. You see the dichotomy? Don't follow sin. Follow after Christ. There is a choice. There is an altern alternative path to committing sin. In Psalm 119, it says, Remove from me the way of lying. I choose the way of righteousness. You have the power of making a choice. You are not trapped in your sin. And that's the first thing we need to do is to, to, to be able to start breaking away from the sin that we're struggling with in our life is to break away from the mentality that says, I can't, and start knowing that you can. You have a choice in the matter. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to, sin, to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Paul is making it very clear what the path that we choose, the path that we live, the life that we live, the habits that we have, the character that we develop, the sin that we struggle with, it's a choice. Don't you know that whoever you choose to yield yourself as a servant to obey, that's whose servant you are? And so we have a choice in the matter. We can decide. Thank God for that, that he gives us this knowledge to know that we are not stuck. Remember the story of the prodigal son? <clears throat> in Luke chapter 15, we read about this young boy who goes to his father and he asks him for his inheritance. He wanted to cash in early. And so his father, he gives him his inheritance. The young boy goes into a far country, and he spends his inheritance with riotous living, partying it up, living the party life, waste all his money. A famine hits that land, 
and he has no one to turn to. There's no one to help him. He went out into the world to live it up, and the world left him empty and hungry for something better. And that's what the world does to us. It leaves us empty. It leaves us hungering for, for more. There's got to be something better out there. And in his lowest point of working a, a very degrading job of feeding swine, which is something deplorable to a Jew, he has no food, he has no money, nobody to help him. He realizes he still has one valuable thing. He has the power to choose. He doesn't have to stay there, wishing that he could just eat the pig slop. He can get up and do something about it. Luke 15, verse 17 and 18, it says, and when he came to himself. I hope you can sense how refreshing that is and, and how, the, how refreshing that feels when we read those words. This young man sitting here feeling trapped, feeling like there's no other choice, and he's just going to sit here and starve to death. All alone, he comes to himself. And he says, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. He realized he had the power to make a decision, and he made a decision. I'm going to get up and go and do something about this. I'm going to go to my father. He knew the source that he had to turn to. All it took was him making up his mind. And we know the source that we have to turn to when we're struggling with sins. We know that it's the word of God. We know that it's God that helps us and guides us through these problems. And all it takes is us making up our mind and knowing and saying, I'm going to go and turn to God for this because I have no other options. He didn't have to stay stuck there, and neither do we. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Wake up, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul says it's high time to wake up. The night's over. A new day has dawned in Jesus. And he has brought peace and hope to us through the gospel. And he has brought us a way to be changed and, uh, and for us to be unchained from the sin that dominates our lives. All it takes is us realizing that there is an alternative and make that choice. God wants us to wake up to this realization that sin is not the only option, and He wants us to choose the path of righteousness. Titus chapter 2, verses 11-12. through 12, For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. He wants to bring us the knowledge that there is an alternative, and we should wake up to that. No, that if you choose to yield yourself a servant to sin unto death, that's what you will receive. And it's not God's fault. When the day of judgment comes and, and, and people, as, as we read in that passage of the scripture reading, when God comes to separate the wheat from the chaff and the chaff is burned up, it's not God's fault. It's people's fault. They chose and He will give them the outcome of their choice. And, and He wants us to know that there is something better that we should choose, and that is living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, because that will ultimately lead, ultimately lead us to eternal life. Romans 8, chapter 5, 
uh, Romans chapter 8, rather, verse 5 and 6, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If we have a, a, a fleshly and worldly mind, we're going to submit ourselves to the things that are fleshly and worldly. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's two options, and you get to choose the, the option that you want, the outcome that you want in your life. But it all begins with your choice. You have the power to decide. You're not stuck. You don't have to stay there. You can change. Absolutely you can. And that's a blessing for us to know. You can change, and God can change who you are. And as it says here, it starts with the mind. Now, it's not just positive thinking, and it's not just trying to, to look at the situation differently and take on a new perspective. It's much more than that. To be spiritually minded means we're getting knowledge. And that's the second thing we read about in that psalm. It says, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Psalm 119, it says that, teach me the way of thy statutes. So the person that wrote the psalm says, I'm going to make a choice, and now... I want to know what it is I should do. Paul says, choose to follow after Christ and not the world and renew your mind in the knowledge of God. Renew your mind. So how is our mind renewed? Well, through the knowledge of God. That's something that he provided for us so that we can clearly see the way the world actually is, see reality, and be set free from sin. And the knowledge of God has the power to transform who we are. And he sent Christ into this world for this very purpose so that we could be changed and unchained from sin. Acts chapter 26, verse 18, Paul went about preaching the gospel, and his purpose was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's what Jesus sent Paul on, on his way to go do. Go preach the gospel and open their eyes and turn them from darkness so that they can come into the light. It's the reason that Christ came into this world, and thank God that he did, so that we could be set free. And God, through the knowledge of Jesus, gives us everything we need to know to be properly equipped to change our lives and to know what it is, how we should live, how we should worship, the things we should do, the things we should not do. He gives us all of these things. 2 Peter 1, verses 3-4 through says, "...according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness." through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God, according to his divine power, in the scriptures, has given to us everything. Notice that this, the verse says he has given unto us all things, not just some things. There's not information missing. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. And so the more we grow in knowledge, the more our mind is going to be changing. The more it's a renewing of our mind. That word renewing, when you look at the definition, it means to renovate. And we know what that means. Uh, you may have had to remodel your home. Brother Chris, you get to deal with this a lot as you, you're in the construction business. You get to see how things are renovated. You take out the old and you replace it with something new. 
you replace it with something better. We should be taking out the knowledge of sin and, and be replacing that with the knowledge of Christ. That's what God wants us to do if, if we want to experience real and lasting change. And it's not easy. I'll tell you that. I, you know, it's easy to list off these things. But this is a process, and it's a hard process. It is not so simple. And it takes work to, to take out those old things we know and to replace them with the things that pertain to life and godliness. But I promise you, the more that you learn, the more you're going to see your life changing. And it takes work to learn. How much work does it take? Well, let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs gives us a good idea of the amount of effort that it takes for us to gain the knowledge of God. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear to wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, if thou lift thy voice up for understanding, if, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as, as hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. He lists about eight things there. There's eight action words that are, that are said there. Receive, hide, incline, apply your heart, cry after knowledge, lift up your voice, seek, search, put in the work. And that's the thing and the beauty about the, the scriptures. You're going to get, if you want to change your life, you're going to get out of the Bible as much as you put in. And if you put in the work and do these things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It takes effort. It is not easy. But I don't think that anything that is worth doing is easy. Find the knowledge of God. Figure out what your problem is. You know what your problem is. You know the sins that you struggle with. Go to the scriptures and find out what God's perspective is on this and start applying that and, and throwing out what we thought we knew and start replacing it with what God tells us is true and what is good and what is pure because His, whole, His word is holy and it will start to change us. Now, unfortunately, we get stuck even in this process as we're trying to change. And some of us may even stop there. We made a choice, and I, I went and read a few Bible verses, and I feel good. And we might stop right there. But if you stop right there, the process is incomplete. Because knowledge by itself, knowing what the Bible says, isn't good enough. You need to actually do what the Bible says. Do what the Bible teaches. It's not enough to just hear if we want to live a transformed life, we have to make a choice and take action to use what you're learning. Romans chapter 12 says, to prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. In Psalm 119, he says, I shall keep, teach me your law, and I shall keep your law. Proving and keeping, those are action-based words. And they imply taking action on what it is, the knowledge that you're receiving. And so... If we were only to learn everything we could learn about our sin, about our struggle, everything, even if we learned everything there is to know about the Bible and did nothing and didn't change and didn't use that information, that's no good. Actually, the Bible says it's a sin if we don't take action from the knowledge of God. In James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If we know what to do, we know the good words of God, and we don't do it, we are committing a sin. And so knowledge without action is sinful, and the inverse is true. Action 
If, you, if you're just going to, if you're going to be zealous and on fire and you're excited and you're just going to go start doing and start, you're, you're going to take that hatchet to all these bushes and you're going to start cutting away the weeds from your life, but you don't actually know what you're doing. You don't know uh, the target you're supposed to be aiming for. You don't know that what the Bible says about how to go about doing these things. That's sinful too. So knowledge without taking action is sinful and having a whole bunch of action that isn't backed by the knowledge of God, that's sinful as well. Romans chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, this is the, something that the Jews experienced. And, and Paul explained that they had the problem. He says, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Oh, they're excited. They're on fire. They're doing things that they think they should be doing that are in righteousness, but they're not doing it according to knowledge, he says. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. The Jews thought it was worthy to put Christ to death. They thought they were doing God a service. They thought this man was a vagabond Jew who came lying to us saying that he was God. And they killed him. And when he rose again, they lied about that. No, he didn't. He, didn't, he wasn't raised from the dead. And when his apostles went about preaching, they beat them, they stoned them, they cast them out. They were in much peril. They, they, they shed their blood as well to preach the message of the gospel. And at the hand of the Jews and the persecution and the insurrection they were causing against the church, putting people to death, hurting people, harming them, and they thought they were doing what was right. They had a whole lot of action, but it wasn't according to knowledge. They were ignorant of God's righteousness, and they went about trying to do it their own way. And, and that's what we need to understand. We need to couple the knowledge of God with appropriate action and not just try to go out and do all these things. We need to actually get knowledge and actually go and do what God has asked us to do. So exercise the knowledge that we get from the Word of God. If we want to make this renewed mindset stick, if we really want this change to be lasting, we really want to grow and transform, put it into action. You know, I'm a, a designer, and in, in design work, I have to, there's a, the, things are changing all the time. And, and, you know, there's new techniques, there's new tools, there's new uh, ways to go about doing work, new processes. And sometimes it's valuable to just sit and take time to, to go through tutorials, go through lessons, study about the subject. You know, what helps me is to go and, and learn about it and then go put it into use. And I might have to go back and reference the material a lot, a lot, <laughs> and then go do it again. And then just, it's a back and forth process. But what I find is that I have to, I, I, when I go back to the source material every single time after a process of repeating that, getting the knowledge, applying the knowledge, getting the knowledge and applying the knowledge, every time I go back, I look at it just a little bit different because you're growing as you're using the things that you're learning. And so I get to learn new techniques and I get to apply new, new things and I get to learn different aspects about it. And so I'm never done having to go back to the source material because I'm constantly learning new things from it. And that's the same way with the scriptures. We go to the Bible, we see what we ought to do, and we go and implement that. We go to the Bible, see what we ought to do, and we implement that. Do something with the knowledge. Because the more you do it, the more you're going to learn, and the more you go back to the source material, the more you're going to see things differently. And the more you'll be able to... to, to uh, become more skillful in the use of the word. James 1, says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes him, himself, 
goes away and immediately forget what, kinds of, what kind of man he was. But he who looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The Bible gives us this illustration. Looking into the law of God, and as you're studying and growing in this knowledge, it's like looking into a mirror because it exposes us and exposes all the sin that we have. And looking at the Bible and reading at and knowing, oh, wow, I didn't know it was wrong to do that, and just putting it away and going off and living in sin, not actually doing what the Bible instructs us to do. It's like looking at your face in a mirror, saying, oh, that's what I look like. And you walk away, and you're, you're thinking, what do I look like? I don't remember. I don't remember my hair color. I don't remember what my eyes look. I don't remember if I have toothpaste on my face. Same thing. Look into the perfect law of liberty and see yourself change more and more into the image of Christ by learning and doing what we ought to be doing. And that is the commandments of God. And as you gain knowledge and practice and repeat that process, you'll see yourself growing. You're going to see your life changing. And it takes time. I'm sorry, but it does. You're not going to change overnight. You're not going to go read a Bible verse, go try it out, and then all of a sudden your life is going to be different from then on. It will. When we become Christians, we become new creatures, and our life is renewed, and, and all those things are true. But the habits die hard. And it takes time. So give yourself patience. And we should have patience with one another and understanding that it takes time for us to change. It's not an overnight change, but it is a change that, that occurs over time. Second Peter two, verses one through five. Or second Peter one, rather. I guess I couldn't actually read what I was saying there. Second Peter one, five through eleven. It says, Beside this, giving all diligence, giving all diligence diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see that it's a process? Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance kindness and to kindness charity. And all of these things that it tells us to do, it is a process. And if you do these things, you will not be barren. This is the scriptural guarantee that I was telling you about. The scriptures promise that if you do these things and you, and you actually work and, and work this process of transformation in your life and do it consistently, that you will not be barren or unfruitful. You will produce fruit. You will change your life. And God will change your life through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says. And, and again, chances are that you might not get it right the first time. And I don't think we hear this often enough, but that's okay. Practice doesn't make you perfect, but practice will make you better. And it's going to lead to growth. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belong to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
you see how the, the scriptures show us that it is a process? If you're using, if you're unskillful in the word of God and you don't really know how to handle it, you're a baby in Christ and you're drinking milk. But strong meat, solid foods belong to those who are maturing and growing in Christ. Those who by reason of use, putting the word into action, have their senses exercised to decide and to know what the difference is between good and evil. So just as a baby learns to eat table food, and I've seen it happen twice. I've watched my kids uh, as they, you know, they're, they're weaned and then they start kind of practicing a little bit. And you know what? They make a mess. <laughs> they don't always make it into their mouth. They get it everywhere else but in their mouth. And, uh, and it gets messy sometimes. But you know what? As they get older and they practice that more and more and they figure it out more and more, guess what? They get to eat more of that food. They get more of that nutrition. And there's less mess. And it's really the same way with the Word of God. Sometimes we just kind of make a mess with things. We go and we read this and we think we know and then we, we figure out, oh wait, I need to go also add this knowledge to this. And then I need to add this verse over here too because this gives me a new insight. And I need to go find this verse and when I find this verse, wow, that really unlocks more knowledge and I'm seeing a, a more clear picture. And I know how to say it accurately now. I know what the truth is saying. I know how to go and teach others and share this. And I know how to, to phrase my words and, and to, to compare the Bible and to speak of it properly. But it just takes time. And as we repeat the action, the more we're going to refine our skill and handle the Word of God better and move on to solid foods. And so you might start off on basic concepts of the Scriptures, and you need to start off on basic, basic concepts of the Scriptures. And as you learn, you'll get to do harder and harder topics. And but before you know it, you'll be an expert in Revelation. I'm sure. <laughs> That's a hard book. The transformation is a process of maturity and growth as you learn, as you do, and as you repeat that process. So don't feel discouraged. Don't feel discouraged as you're learning and you're trying these new things as we're learning from the Word of God because it's new. Sometimes it's an alien concept to us because I know I remember what it was like coming from a life of sin. My life was dark. And you start learning these things and it's like, oh, this is weird. I feel weird doing this. But it's not that weird. Once you let go of the baggage, you embrace the Word of God and you start implementing it, you'll see that it's not weird. And you'll build new habits in your life, but it takes time. Give yourself room to grow. Give yourself patience. And brothers and sisters, give each other patience. Don't expect people to grow overnight. Don't kill the plant. Just help to water it and keep, keep planting and sowing the seed of God and keep watering it and keep helping people grow. And the final thing we read about there in Romans chapter 12 and Psalm 119 is commitment. Romans 12 says that we are a living sacrifice. It is something that is ongoing. It is something that is perpetual. We are a living sacrifice. Psalm 119 says... Teach me thy statutes, and I will keep it with my whole heart. Commit yourself to this process, and understand, you're never done. You won't reach a time where you get just enough knowledge, and you can say, all right, I'm a pro, and I don't need to study the Bible anymore. I got it figured out. You will never, I don't care how old you are, you will never reach that point. You'll, you're never done learning. You're never done doing the Word of God. You're never done growing in righteousness. <coughs> 
transformation of your life is not only a process, it's a lifelong process. And Jesus compared it to building a tower. And that's something that took a lot of time back then. Just for a point of reference, when Jesus went to, to the temple and he was, he, he, was, he was beholding the temple and they said, look how beautiful this temple is and there in Jerusalem. And he says, you destroy this temple and I'm going to raise it up in three days. Of course, he was talking about his death and his resurrection and his body. And the Jews were astounded by this comment that he made. And they're like, you can't raise up this temple in three days. Notice what they said. In John chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. Think about that. Just as a time reference here. It took them 46 years to build that temple. That is a long time. That is a long construction project. We're used to construction projects taking just a few months. You know, we've, we've got these processes refined. We've got all the tools and the materials and all these things, and it's a smooth workflow. They put up a Walmart in two weeks. <laughs> Seems like, anyway. Back then, it was slow. Processes were different. And they said, it took 46 years to build this temple. So think about that as we, think, as we read this next passage. Luke 14, 27, it says, And who do, whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth down... Sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation, he is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What an embarrassment to start off in your life in Christ and just totally give up. And become a laughingstock. This person was going to change their life, but they just went right back into sin. It's sad. But building a tower is a lifelong process. You bearing your cross, you being a disciple of Christ, following after Him daily, it's not just a week or a month or a year or five years or ten years or fifteen years. It is for the rest of your life. You're all in. That's why it's such an important decision for us to consider before we even start the life of Christ. He says, count the cost whether or not you are able to finish it. Count the cost. This person in the example he gives, they set out to build this tower. They didn't figure out if they had enough time. They didn't figure out if they had enough money. They didn't figure out if they had enough energy. They weren't really committed to this process. They gave up. Because they weren't paying attention. You know, there's a real-life example of this, and it makes me kind of laugh every time I think about it when when I think about this passage, because it's a real-life example. You know, there was uh, over in, in Lead Hill, Arkansas, there was a, uh, this project called the Ozark Medieval Fortress. And, you know, these, these French folks came over, and they had this piece of land over here, and they said, we've got this castle over here in France, and it is a really great attraction, and people travel all over the world and come to see this castle. Let's build one over here in Arkansas. And it'll be this great attraction, and people will come see it, and we'll make all this revenue from that, and we'll be able to, to it'll just self-sustain, and people are going to be so excited about this. And the whole concept was centered around the fact that it was a castle that was going to be built using only primitive methods. So using only 13th century processes of brick making and brick laying and, and all of these processes to, to lift these heavy rocks and elevate them and do all these things. And it, you know it's going to take them a, uh, 20 years to do this. It was a 20-year project. And the people in this project sunk 
probably $1.7 million into it, almost $2 million they put into this. And it began in 2010. After two years, it was closed. They stopped. They didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough interest. They didn't count the cost. And now it's just a, now it's just ruins, basically, just an unfinished tower sitting there. And people drive by, and they'll see that, and they'll remember. Yeah, they wanted to start this project. They thought it was a great idea, but it wasn't. Following Christ is an all-in venture. It takes calculated, intentional effort to spend your entire life transforming into His image. And if you want to see real lasting change in your life, it requires steady and consistent action over time. It's possible, and you need to believe and know that it's possible to change your habits. But transformation will not occur unless you're serious about it. James chapter 1, verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you can't make up your mind on which side you're on, you're never going to experience real and lasting change. Choose the path and stay on it. Make up your mind and stay the course. And if you made your choice to build the tower, you said, I, I counted the cost and I want to be in Christ and I want to follow Him and I want to change my life and I want to give up on sin and I don't want to go back into my old ways and my old habits, you cannot give up now. That's the encouragement I want you to, to, to have. Do not give up. If you're on this path, if you've become a Christian, stay committed to the process of transformation. As you go through change, I'm going to tell you, you're going to experience progress and you're going to feel good about growth that you see and you're going to experience failures. You're going to have very low times. You're going to have times where you think, I can't, I can't get back up. But the key is to learn from the mistakes you're making and, and the trials that you're facing and the hard, those hard times and just keep going. Just keep going. Don't give up that maybe the first time that you fall. Don't do that. Don't give up the 600th time that you fall. Don't give up the 6,000th time that you fall. It's hard. It hurts. But it's worth it. Keep going. Proverbs 26, 24, verse 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now, I don't think this proverb is saying that it's a person that, that has fallen into sin but a person that's fallen into trouble. And every time there's an obstacle, they get back up. They're not going to give up. Be a just kind of person. Be a righteous kind of person. And get back up when you experience hardships, when you experience trials, when you experience temptations, when you experience failures. Get back up and keep going. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Don't be, an, 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 don't be a double-minded person. Make up your mind, stay on the course, or your life's going to always be unstable. Hold fast to profession without wavering, for He is faithful that, that promised. God wants you to change, and He is so committed to this process of transformation that He died for it. He gave up His own life so that you could be transformed, so that you could overcome sin, so that you could break free from the chain of sin and that your life could look more like His, so that you could be holy as He is holy. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says, But He made Himself of no reputation, that's speaking of Jesus coming into this world, made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus cared so much about bringing you hope, about bringing you life, about bringing you the gospel that will turn you from darkness to the light, that will free you from the power of Satan and, and turn you to the power of God, that he, he committed himself so much to this that he died for it. And that's the kind of commitment that we should have. That's the level of care that we should have. We should be willing to go as far as it takes to do this and, and to put these things to death in our lives and to follow him. Brethren, if you want to be more like Christ... These four things are absolutely fundamental into bringing about the necessary change in your life. Romans chapter 12, let's read it again. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And again in Psalm 119, Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments I have laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. I will run in the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. These four things are essential. Your choice, choose the way of righteousness, make up your mind, and decide to be on the path of God. Seek knowledge and take action on the knowledge, and keep repeating that, and stay committed to this process. If you do these four things, know that you are absolutely capable of growing more and more into the image of Christ. You are not stuck in sin. You can grow, and that's a wonderful thing. That is a great blessing that we have. We are capable of growing more to be like Christ. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.